The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The Carbondale Police Chief, Jody O'Gwyn, told reporters at a February 18th press conference that Praveen likely had trouble finding his way out of the woods because of the difficult terrain and low temperatures. The story the police officers told Lovely and her family about the day Praveen went missing was not accurate. Far from it, actually. We listened to that uh, radio show which she did while Praveen's wake was going on. She did a um, show. And during that, she got a text from one of uh, one of Praveen's friends who visited, texted her and said, uh, um, I just saw Praveen, he is beat bad. Just the different things that I could hear them whispering and saying, like, the main thing was, you know, that boy that's missing in Carbondale, you know, and, and I was listening to stuff and they were all like, yeah, yeah, and said, um, he was at a party. We were at the party with him, you know, when he went, went missing that night. You're listening to Speaking of Crime with your hosts, John and Gia. Remember the $15,000 reward that Praveen's family had offered to anyone who could lead them to Praveen? Well, a tip had come in, but the Carbondale police hadn't shared the details of that tip with Praveen's family. They said they had a tip from a guy. They wouldn't tell us the name, nothing, uh, that somebody uh, took Praveen. And I said, do you have that guy in custody? And he said, the, the, the police said, no. I said, why not? He's the last person that saw my son alive. And he said, no, we have no reason to suspect him. So he told us everything he knows. So he's not a suspect in this case anymore. That was the end of it. They gave us Praveen's wallet and the car keys. They kept his laptop and his clothes. They did not show us his show clothes or shoes or anything, they kept it. And um, uh, the wallet had a little bit money in that, $27 or something, but he had more than that in the wallet, we know. The tip was called in by Jonathan Stanley, and he was very interested in that reward. Jonathan said a guy by the name of Gage Bethune had given Praveen a ride after the party. Monica was uncovering all kinds of things on her radio show. And this time, she spoke with a friend of Gage's family. Her name was Lisa Paget. Lisa overheard her own son saying Gage beat up Praveen. 
This is Reality Check with Monica Zukas. Monica wants to take a walk in your shoes. Everyone has a story. She wants to hear it, and she wants to share it. Talking to locals from all walks of life. Welcome back. We're talking again about the Praveen Verghese case this evening. And I got a call a few weeks ago after I had Charles Stegmeyer, the family attorney, on my show. Whenever he released the results from the independent autopsy done by Dr. Margolis in Chicago, Illinois, on Praveen, his findings were that Praveen had blunt force trauma to the head as an underlying cause of his death. When that came out, I received a call or a, a Facebook message from the lady that's sitting in front of me. And she said, I need to talk to you. Like, I need to talk to you about this Praveen thing, you know. And I said, okay. So I immediately called her and we had a conversation. And for everybody that's listening, you know, I just got a message from somebody in Afghanistan that's listening. There's somebody from Qatar that knows the family that's listening. So it's all over the world. And for the people, like, from all these huge big cities and all over the world, they don't understand. We live in tiny towns here. The population of my town is like 20,000. The population of her town is like eight or 10,000. The lady sitting in front of me is a mother. She has teens. She knows some of the people that rode to the party that evening with the driver of the vehicle. She knows the parents of the driver of the vehicle to the point of, hi, how are you? And we've known each other for many years. And we go to church together. And we buy cars from each other and things of that nature. So she has made the decision because of her own conscience to come forward with her little piece of this puzzle. And like I say, she wasn't on the scene that night. She's not saying she knows what happened, but she does have a very important story to tell with her little piece of it. So first of all, Lisa, thank you so much for coming. I know it's not an easy thing to do, and I know you wrestled with it, but I can tell you that so many people have been messaging, and especially the Verghese family said, tell her thank you from the bottom of our hearts for coming forward because this is your town the driver came from and these are your teens that you bore and teens friends of your one of your sons so tell us just a little bit about what was your first inkling or goings on that you kind of got pulled into this deal here um it was basically my son had some friends come over and they went in his bedroom and you know how kids are they close the door well, I had went to use the restroom, and I could hear in there kind of whispering going on. And, you and know, you're a mom like me. I have talked to Lisa enough to know she's the mom that if you're leaving your diary out, she's going to read it. If a group of boys come over and they all run to the bedroom, she's going to eavesdrop. And I applaud that, first of all, because I'm your mom first, and I'm your friend second. That's right. And so I was listening to him, and just the different things that I could hear them whispering and saying, like, the main thing was, you know, that boy that's missing in Carbondale, you know, and, and I was listening to stuff, and they were all like, yeah, yeah, and said, um, he was at a party. We were at the party with him, you know, and when he went, went missing that night, he went missing, and different things, and they were all kind of talking back and forth, and I was listening, and I heard him say, yeah, Gage Bethune had beat him up, and I was like, oh, man, well, and I, I sit there and listen. Well, then, of course, the door opened, and I kind of ran off, you know. Well, then it kind of bothered me, and it just started, I started thinking, you know, uh, he's missing, you know. And at this point, we didn't know that he had passed on. We didn't know that then. And Well, and the evening of the party, we'll see. And what we know for sure so far is 606 College was the party Praveen was at. Down the street. There was the party that uh, Gage and all his friends were at. 
the night of that, well, and so far, everybody we've talked to or everything that I've come across was that Praveen was at his party, Gage and his buddies were at the other party, and we don't know how they met up. I do not know how or where they met up. The few boys that you and I both know together mm-hmm. say, we didn't see him at the party. We didn't see him at the party. We just know they hooked up. So I, I don't know like what you heard out of the boys that night, but you know for sure you heard he beat him up. I did hear that, yes. The night of the party, some of the boys that rode over from West Frankfurt to Carbondale with the driver gauge called your son and said what? And at about what time? It was around midnight and asked for a ride home if my son would come and get him and give a ride home. And then, of course, we wouldn't let him go because it was midnight and you know, I'm driving over to Carbondale. So. so we're assuming, you know, from everything we believe to be facts at this point that the driver had already left the party and then your uh, your home. your son got a call from the other three guys saying hey give us a ride and your son said nah i mean i'm or did you say no you're not no, going or yeah, what was the that, conversation yeah we, we wouldn't let him take the car and go no we wasn't letting him go and so he told him no he couldn't go there was one important detail about this tipster that police neglected to tell lovely you know they, they did not tell us they were cousins monday evening, Praveen's friends had arranged a vigil at the college, and we went to the vigil. Um, That's when the tip came into the police station. We had no idea all this was happening. We were um, kept away from all that. You know, we we did not know. Uh, That's the time that Gage's cousin, Jonathan Stanley, called Carbondale police uh, the tip line and said his cousin picked up the guy who is missing from Carbondale and he was um, eager to collect the money. Um, the crime stoppers had offered a thousand dollar and we had offered fifteen thousand, so that was a big amount of money there. So he wanted the money, and then he he came to the police and he talked to them, but we were at the vigil at that time. The police brought Gage in for questioning. In that interview, you can hear his version of events and how cavalier he is about the entire incident. He admits to driving with Praveen and even getting into a fight with him. He tries to minimize the fight and claims it was self-defense. But of course, the autopsy results speak for themselves and paint a very different picture. And the reason we also ask people to do like a recorded statement is so it's your own words. Because, you know, when you're telling us, we can only write down what we, we right. only write down what we think is important. Right. But this is just so it's your own perspective. And, yes, sir. you know, I imagine it's pretty scary to be involved in a case like this. But Gage, how do I spell your last name? B-E. B as in boy. T-H-U-N-E. And how do I say that? Bethune. Bethune. Yes, ma'am. following is a state tape, taped statement taken from Gage Bethune. This statement is being taken pursuant to Carbondale Police Case Number C-2014-0213-057. In the presence of Carbondale Police Detective Brandon Weisenberger, we are in an interview room at the Saline County Sheriff's Department in Harrisburg, Illinois. Also present in the room is Carbondale Police Detective Brooke Hamill. 
The date is February 17th, 2015. The current time is 2150 hours, 950. Uh, would you state your name, please, for us? Gage Bethune. What's your date of birth, Gage? 7-26-94. And what's your current address? 815 Carroll Park Road. Okay. Gage, are you aware that this statement is being taped? Am I what? Are you aware that this statement is being yes, taped? Yes, sir. And this is with your permission? Yes, sir. And you do understand that you're not under arrest and you're absolutely free to leave at any time you want? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to take you back to the evening of uh, last Wednesday, February 12th. Um, this is the night that we've been talking about here. Um, and I want to, and I understand that you came to Carbondale that night, but why don't you start with how you got here, um, what you drove, and who you came with. Okay. Drove my own vehicle, 2003 Dodge Ram 1500. Drove with my cousin Jonathan Stanley. Just drove Carbondale. That's how we got there. I drove my truck there. Okay. And uh, was anybody else with you guys? You Jonathan remember? Stanley. Just, just Jonathan? Yeah. Well, was anybody Jonathan else in the truck with you? No, sir. Okay. Um, so what was the point of coming to Carbondale that night? Well, let's have a good time. That's what they said. Like I said, I was, you know, sick night four. Had a little bit too much to drink. And I said, that was the only ride. So I said, yeah, we can go over there. Okay. Um, so what, where did you go in Carbondale? College Street. College Street. Okay. Yes, sir. And where was this? And you're probably not familiar with the actual address on College Street, but to no, the sir. best of your ability, describe the structure that you went into and kind of describe the outside of it if you can. Uh, it's just a white house. Walk, I walk through the back door and walk down some stairs. You can go upstairs or you go downstairs. I went downstairs. Okay. Never once stepped foot upstairs. Do you remember uh, anything that was around the house that stuck out to you? Neon lights everywhere. But uh, like outside the house before you went in, do you remember uh, anything? I remember a fence to my right. And there was, okay. uh, I want to say condos maybe, to my apartments of some type okay. to my right. Uh, so you guys went there, um, I guess, was there a party being held at that house? Yes. Okay. Do you know if it was for any particular reason? No, sir. Okay. Whose idea, I guess, or who was became aware of this party? I think it was just kind of thrown out there on Facebook, and maybe he ran across and said, hey, there's a party in Carbondale. Just okay. go check it out. I don't know if it's on Facebook where you seen it at. Okay. You know, maybe he got a phone call from somebody else. <clears throat> I don't really know the exact detail on how he found out about the party. Okay. Um... Do you remember about what time you showed up there? I'd say nine, eight or nine. Eight or nine? Yes. Okay. Um, Might have been seven o'clock. Okay. So early evening, early pretty evening. much. Okay. Yes. Um, were there a lot of people there? Do you remember? Uh, no, there wasn't. Not when I first got there. There wasn't a god-awful amount of people. Maybe 12 tops. Okay. Now, um, obviously, we're, we're here for specific reasons. Yes, so sir. let's, uh, you know, let's just get down to business yes, and, and talk about that. So... Um, we're here to talk about an individual that you came across that night, yes, a young sir. male. Um, I don't think you know his name. No, no. Okay. Um, so tell us how you first came into contact with him. I was leaving the party, okay. and he came up to my window and said, hey, give me a ride. Okay. And I said, where are you going? He said, right down the road. So I said, okay, you know, go ahead and get in. It's cold outside. Nobody needs to be walking when it's cold. I offered the main ride. Okay. Driving along, right here. You know, make a left here, right here, 30 minutes goes by, yada, yada, yada. Talking on the phone to his friends about some cocaine, whatever it was. He was hyped up a little bit. Just driving. I tell him, I said, 
you know, asked him multiple times, where are you going? Where's your destination? He can't really give me the exact spot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's didn't know where he was going or was just trying to hang out somewhere. I don't know what he was doing, but I told him, look, I got to go. And he wasn't cooperating. I made my right. And then I think that's when he realized, hey, I'm getting taken away from my place. And that's when he started to rage a little bit. And it's when he punched me in my eye and I pulled over on the side of the road. Like, that's enough. Can't have that. And he, I mean, he would not get out of my truck. Every time I told him, hey, dude, just go ahead and get out. I have to go home. I don't have any gas. You know, I look up my little gas thing. So I don't have any gas. I can't be driving around. I got to make it back home. Still nothing. Couldn't really tell me where. Couldn't tell you where he's going. So I just pulled over on the side of the highway right there after he hit me in my face and figured I'd get out. You know, I have to get him out some type of way. Mm-hmm. So he gets out, he swings on me. I back up. I hit him one time. He kind of stumbles, grabs my hoodie, pulls me with him. We roll down the hill a little bit. Like I said, a couple, you know, hits were exchanged on the way. And he was on top of me at one point, and I was on top of him at one point. Never once it fight maybe lasted 30 seconds. I Myself, I wouldn't even really call it a fight. Mm-hmm. A little scuffle. Gage also makes statements about race that are... I guess I will call them questionable, and I'm trying to be nice here, because what I want to say is probably not appropriate. It was overruling me. You know, I was scared for my life. Sure. I didn't know what he was capable of. Okay. Definitely wasn't my race, and I used to be around, I grew up in the you know, I used, I'm not used to being around that type of you know, population, and mm-hmm. those type of people. I wasn't used to any of it. You'll hear Gage trying to tell a story where he is simply a good Samaritan, someone who just goes around helping strangers, someone who doesn't want to see anyone stranded outside on a cold February night. Meanwhile, we learned that the night in question, he was driving so erratically that even his friend didn't want to drive with him and asked to be let out of the car, and he was trying to break into cars in the neighborhood where the party took place. We looked at Gage's criminal record, and he has a long rap sheet, which is far too long to list. He has multiple traffic violations between 2013 and 2021, which includes everything from driving without insurance, not wearing a seatbelt, headlight and turn signal violations, to driving 30 miles over the speed limit, just to name a few. Then there are the more serious criminal offenses, like a misdemeanor charge in July of 2014 for possession of drug paraphernalia, and then the murder and other forcible felony charge, which was filed on July 14th of 2017. Now, uh, Gage, I want to just backtrack back to the house. Um, yes, sir. You decided to leave. Do you remember about what time you decided to leave? Uh, I'd have to say it's, I don't like staying the later than mid- midnight, really. Okay. So I don't on that time. It sounds like you left alone. Yes, I so, did. Um, Jonathan didn't come with you? No, he had fell asleep. Fell asleep at the house? Yeah. Okay, so you just decided... Yeah, couldn't... I can't wait around on you. I left him there. Okay. So you left, and then um, you were in your vehicle in the... Where were you at? Where's your truck parked at again? Right, right in the driveway. Okay. Right right, there. right near the house? Yeah. Okay. And then uh, this person approached you while you are in your truck? Yes, sir. Had you seen him before around town or in the house? No, sir. Okay, so the first time you saw him, just to be clear, was in the driveway? Yes, sir. Okay. 
And then uh, he asked you for a ride. Mm-hmm. So I'm clear on your statement. Okay. Um, can you describe what he looks like to the best of your ability? Uh, Jersey Shore earrings. Mm-hmm. I mean, he seemed like he was a well-rounded kid. Pretty clean, you know. Mm-hmm. Didn't seem like a gangbanger, really. But mm-hmm. might he looked like he might have used drugs. You know, a typical... I guess he was in college. I didn't know his mm-hmm. age at the time. I guess a typical college student. Okay. He. I just remember his earrings. I remember he was a darker skin, and it was dark in my chucks. I never really mm-hmm. got a good, good shot of his face. But when I seen that picture, I I knew it was him. Okay. Um, to the best of your ability, you know, kind of picture him in the driveway there. Do you remember what he was wearing? I believe it was that red shirt. Okay, the same red shirt in the picture we showed you? Yes, I believe so. Okay. Did he ever tell you his name or no, sir. identify himself in any no, way? No, sir. Did he ever tell you anything about himself, just in general conversation? I didn't, like I said, I didn't know he was a college student. He didn't tell me nothing about himself. Did he, he didn't tell you anything about, like, where he came from or where he's from? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, when he, got he was in, on the okay. phone the majority of the time. Okay. Trying to get cocaine off somebody. Okay. And that's when I knew right then, hey, I'm in the vehicle with somebody I don't need to be in the vehicle with. So that's when I was like, okay, dude, I got to go. I need to be home. I'm running low on gas. We've been driving around for 30 minutes and you haven't gave me a destination. Okay. So I headed my way. Okay. And once we got out, he realized, yeah, this kid's not playing. He's taking me, you know, this is an even longer walk for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe it clicked in on him. I don't know. And he started to get very... Very just like I'm not, not like I'm gonna kill you, violent. Mm. But he was, you know, screaming at me, cussing at me, and he hit me, and then I pulled over and put, mm-hmm. it, put it in park. Shut my, took my keys out, so he couldn't take my vehicle. Mm-hmm. Took my keys out and I put them in my pocket. Mm-hmm. I walked around, just simply gonna get the kid out. And he jumped out and he swung on me, self defense. I swung back. Okay. When he first got into the vehicle, he said he was on the phone. Does that mean he was texting, or was he actually calling people? He was on not the on the phone. He was when not he on first the first time people. No, sir. Okay. When was he on the phone trying to get cocaine? As we was driving along, when I was saying, "Hey, what, you know, which way to go?" He told me my first right. Mm-hmm. I'll make your right. I made that right, and he's like, oh, "I'm gonna make a phone call." When he get, gets on the phone for a little bit, and I'm trying to talk over to him as he's talking, I'm saying, "Hey, you know, I need to go home. Hey, where where do I take you? Where are you going, mm-hmm. dude? Where you, you know? I'm not screaming at him. I'm not." Cussing him out, hey, you know, get get to where you gotta go, you know, none of that. We're simply trying to help a guy out when it's cold out. Being the tip, you know, I'm a, I'm a nice guy. I help just about anybody I see. I, if I see an old woman standing on the side of the road, the bag full of groceries, I'm gonna help her out. That's just me. But I, t- I guess you can't do that in certain areas. Then, Lovely learned of yet another shocking detail, from Monica's radio show, of course. She learned of another person who saw Praveen that night after the party, but this time it wasn't a suspect or a bystander. That Sunday, the day after Praveen's funeral, is when my daughter gets a phone call from one of our church members and she said uh, there is a radio show by a person by name Monica Zukas. Tell your mom to listen to it. She She's saying there was a state trooper on the scene or something, you know. So Priya came down and told me 
and I said, call her. So Priya called Monica. And the first thing she told her was, act now, mourn your brother later. We listened to that uh, radio show, which she did while Praveen's wake was going on. She did a um, show. And during that, she got a text from one of uh, one of Praveen's friends who visited, texted her and said, uh, um, I just saw Praveen, he is beat bad. So she read that that text on her show. So, you know, and she was asking all these questions. When I listened to her, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not the only one who has all these questions. So that is where she she revealed there was a state trooper on the scene and all that. And th- those were all news to us because the police never mentioned any of that to us. So even, and then, you know, everybody was telling me, don't talk to that person, that Monica, she's media, you know, everybody takes advantage. So I, I wasn't, I was afraid to talk to her, but a few days later, Monica was communicating with Priya, but Priya was on the road. She couldn't hear her. And then Priya said, mommy, Monica has something to ask you. So call her. So that's the first time I called her. And she wanted to know whether the toxicology report was back. She said, there is rumors here that the tox is back. And uh, did you hear anything? I said, no, we didn't hear anything. But I knew from here, from Dr. Margolis, that he was negative. But so I told her, I said, don't make this public. I hope I can trust you. I said, don't make this public, but he's negative. Um, so she was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. So she kept on, kept at it. You know, she kept on pushing them. In the police interview, Gage also mentioned an officer pulling up while he was on the side of the road with Praveen. You know, we just rolled around. That's when the cop showed up. He asked me what happened. And I told him, pretty much got hijacked. Guy wouldn't get out of mm-hmm. my car. He got up, he took off running these woods right here. He's right here. And he said, are you sure he's right here? I said, yes, sir. He's right here in these woods. I just, he just not got up and ran. Mm-hmm. So he stood there and he looked for a little bit and he asked me if I'd been drinking. Like I said, no, but I had been. I had a little bit drink that night. And uh, he took my ID from me, looked in the woods for a minute, brought it back to me, told me I was free to go. And drove off. I don't know if he stood around and looked for the criminal I mean you're hijacking somebody's vehicle mm-hmm. they ask you to get out if that was me I would have hopped out no matter where I was at if I'd walked two miles I would have hopped out if that person did not want me in their vehicle I know I've already gone through this a couple times but I think the the most important part we need to talk about is what happens after the stop sign and then the stop light and then you eventually stop not too far away on the side of the road so he watch he, yeah. we made the right mm-hmm. once you see me he's leaving town mm-hmm. he started to get Emotional and mad. Mm-hmm. Now, when you, when you say that, okay, what was he saying? Where the, where the fuck are we going? Okay. Where, where the fuck are you taking turn the fuck around? Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I've told you ten times to get out of my vehicle now. And then he starts to get aggressive. And then he just gave me a little pop. Just, okay. a, little, just a little pop, which was enough to make me stop and realize, you know, he's talking about cocaine. 
Drove around for 30 minutes and now he's put his hands on me. Okay. Now, when you say a pop, uh, can you describe that? A jab. Okay. High. So, so you punch, do you remember what hand he used by any means? Left. Left hand and he punched you in the eye? Right here. In this okay. eye. Right around this area. Okay. And then what happened then? That's when I pulled over on the side of the interstate, put my truck in park, and I walked down his side to get him out of the vehicle. He got out of the vehicle, swung on me, self-defense, I moved back. Dodge it. Or you want to say duck, dodge, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I hit him. Then he started stumbling back and he grabbed me. Okay. And we rolled down the hill. He was on top. I was on top. He was on top. I was on top. Punches were exchanged. Mm -hmm. He hit me on top of the head and I nod hit him. I, like I said, I know I got one good connect. Mm -hmm. Now the rest of them, I don't know if they hit him in the side of the head or... There's only a couple punches thrown. Mm -hmm. And then the cop rolled up. Okay. And I said, cops. And I got up. And I'd walk straight to the police officer. Okay. Cause like I said, I was scared for my life. Thirty minutes of driving around Carbondale, ain't never drove around Carbondale like that. Mm -hmm. Somebody I don't know talking about cocaine with somebody I didn't know who he's talking to. Sure. So I just told I mean I told the cop that he's in these woods somewhere. Mm -hmm. He just ran off. I didn't tell him we got in this, you know a little scuffle. Mm -hmm. I I'd been drinking. I didn't want to get in no trouble at the time. I was trying to go home. So of course I was gonna tell the cop, you know, hey. Now, I've been drinking, he just hopped out and he ran mm -hmm. into the woods. We did get in the scuffle. Okay. When, uh, after the scuffle there at the bottom of the hill and he ran away, um, do you remember how he was running? Did it seem like he was injured? Oh, no, I didn't pay too much. I heard him take off. Like, I, I felt him get off and run. I jumped up and I went straight for the police officer. I wasn't, mm -hmm. I'm not turning my back to see what this guy's doing after I just was ready to get rid of him. I was not. No, I was ready to go to the police officer. Okay. I was scared for my life. Did he I was trying to get him off of me? Okay. In the end. Did he leave any property in your truck? Did no, sir. Drop anything? No, okay. sir. Do you remember what his phone looked like by any chance? Did no, you get sir. a good look at it? No, sir. Okay. Do you remember him ever having any sunglasses? No, sir. Okay. It was dark out. Right. I mean, surely he wasn't wearing sunglasses. It was dark out. So that first time you punched him, uh, you, you obviously avoided his punch. The first swing, he swung yeah. on me, and I had moved back. Okay. Leaned back from it, and I had swung on him. Okay. And then what hand were you using to punch? My dominant hand, okay. my right hand. And just to, this is just cop terminology, but did you have your hand in a fist? Yes. Did you punch him with a closed fist? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, I wasn't going to smack him. He was, he swung on me. I mean, I thought... Clearly, he was. He didn't get out of my vehicle. I don't know what the guy was capable of. Mm -hmm. I did self-defense. I know how to defend myself. And when he had swung on me, yes, I used a closed mm -hmm. fist and I punched him. After you punched him, from what I understand, he grabbed you, and you guys kind of grabbed each other. He had started to fall back because we was on a hill. Okay. And he grabbed me, and all his dead weight had pulled me with him. So we rolled down the hill. If we ever took you back to this spot on the road, would you be able to point at it and say that's the exact spot where we rolled down? Well, I wouldn't tell you, hey, this is the exact spot mm -hmm. because, like I said, I had some to drink right past Buffalo Wild Wings okay. on the right. You could tell, you could take me. We could drive from as soon as the woods hit to quarter mile, and I could tell you it's right, right in between there. Okay. wasn't wasn't far after Carbondale when he realized, hey, we're not. I'm driving away. Okay. He realized I wasn't playing. I, I needed him to get out of my truck. I was ready to go home. Okay. 
And just for the record here, did you have any? Did you use any weapons? No, sir. Any rocks or sticks that no, were nearby? Sir. No, sir. Okay. Did he ever attempt to use any weapons on you? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. He had said something about while we was driving. You know, because he kept telling me go here, go there, go here, go there. He was on the phone with one of his buddies, and he had said something about a knife. Mm-hmm. Now I never once seen a knife. He never once pulled a knife out on me. But I don't know if he was using that as a scare tactic mm-hmm. to get me to take him where he was going. Okay. But he he had said something about a knife. But like I said, I don't know if he had a knife. Scare tactic. Did he ever offer to get you any cocaine for the ride? No. Did I don't he, do cocaine. Did he ever offer you anything? No, sir. No gas money. No nothing. Okay. No, no mm-hmm. thanks for trying to get me nowhere. No nothing. Okay. No, just a typical swing like, like I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Because I drove away from his destination mm-hmm. when I asked where it was multiple times being the nice guy that I was trying to go home mm-hmm. and I, you know yet I took the time out of my day out of my night to give somebody else a ride home that I didn't even know mm-hmm. when I could have shot straight straight home had no worries mm-hmm. said I wanted to be the nice guy I didn't want nobody walking me and it was cold mm-hmm. I don't know what the temperature was at the time but I know it was too cold for me to sit there and stand outside of my truck for 10 minutes mm-hmm. you know I got my I got mad waiting on the person to move their car that was behind me mm-hmm so when we find him um is there going to be any reason there are other injuries on him no sir from that are man-made not from animals i mean no sir okay no he'd only been hit in his face like i said a couple times did you ever see any blood at all they may be where you broke skin where i broke Mm -hmm. skin yes okay so you saw blood on him okay do you remember where you saw it right on his mouth i think i busted his lip open you remember anywhere else where he would have got some serious injuries? No. Like, I mean, I didn't, it wasn't, we was rolling down the hill. I mean, it wasn't no dominant full power, like, you know, like somebody would have just laid down and I would jump and hit him in the face. It was never once like mm-hmm. that type of hit. The first hit, I did hit him hard. Like I said, in self-defense, somebody swings on me. I'd, I'd lean back like this to dodge his punch, and I just went with my weight. Mm-hmm. And I'd hit him. Closed fist, yes. Phone records prove that Gage was lying to the police. Praveen's phone was used to send a tweet at 11.17 p.m., and then there was some other activity, such as Praveen checking his voicemail. But between 11.56 p.m. and 12.29 a.m., Praveen's phone was silent. Then there was that call to Anita at 12.29 a.m. After that last call, there was no more activity on his phone. All the phone calls Gage alleged that Praveen was making that night talking about drugs and mentioning a knife, they were all fabricated. Here is an excerpt from an episode of Monica's radio show that was broadcast at the time as they were learning of these new details. The only thing we knew was, you know, this driver was an acquaintance from a party. Hey, can you give me a ride from, you know, the best of our understanding, blah, 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 whatever. Well... Rumors fly, kids talk, apparently some of the police officers talk, and I started getting quote-unquote tips or inboxes, and I noticed some threads on Facebook between a couple younger girls, and one of them was stating, and it was public, so I can say it here, and of course I'm not going to give anybody's name. She said, well, I'm friends with some of the 
police over there in Carbondale, and they told me, you know, this driver was driving him, and uh, they got an altercation, so he basically wanted to get out of the car. Well, what we found out today, and what has been confirmed by the Illinois State Police, is that at approximately 12.10 a.m., the night of this issue, the driver was pulled over on the southbound shoulder a little bit past Buffalo Wild Wings and an Illinois State police officer pulls up behind him and it's like, what's going on? Why are you pulled over? And to the best of our understanding from the statement given by the uh, Illinois State Police Department, I believe it was the Springfield office, said, Illinois State Police pull up behind this car they speak with the driver. What's going on? What are you doing? You're pulled over on the side of the road. It's 1210 in the morning. He says, I'm giving a dude a ride home. He takes off running into those woods right there. And according to the statement, I believe that they start, that, that the police officer kind of searched around the area, or I, I don't know. I don't know the extent of it. That is going to come out. That are These are, once again, questions that are that need to be answered. I'm sure everybody's going to have... And then I don't believe a police report was filed and the driver was sent on his way. The very night that Praveen went missing, a state trooper was, in fact, on the scene. Why was Praveen's family just learning of this now? And why didn't the state trooper come forward with this information earlier? Where was the police report that would contain more details of what actually occurred that night? Praveen's second autopsy states this. How long the decedent lived after the right arm injury could not be determined by microscopic analysis, but it is possible that it was on the order of a day or more, although possibly shorter than this. An extended duration is suspected because not only neutrophils were present, which are the earliest to arrive at such a site of injury, but macrophages and breakdown pigment, which can appear later and do not appear immediately after injury. This is an indication that Praveen was attacked twice, at at least two separate times, and that he was most likely alive for approximately a day after those injuries took place. The state trooper was at the exact location that Praveen was last seen, but he did not walk into the wooded area to look for him. He just waved his flashlight around briefly and left the scene. He was the one person who could have saved Praveen's life. There is a video of the stop and you can see it in its entirety. We will share it on our Facebook page. But unfortunately, it is only video with no audio, so we can't hear the conversation that was had between the state trooper and Gage. Coming up in our next episode, we will look at the facts and the evidence to piece together what actually occurred the night Gage and Praveen's paths crossed. 